0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Echelon Cycling Podcast where we discuss what's been going on in the week and look ahead to the week ahead or even further and as always I'm with Patrick Blake of Audu Cycling and Miss Craig himself Ewan Wilson and yeah despite the traditional cyclist fan having seen this as the end of the season there have been plenty of races going on and I mean uh, where best to start with Fan-favorite, or fan-favorite, podcast-favorite, Alexei Lutsenko, absolutely dominating in Tour of Turkey. And uh, yeah, what did, what did you guys think of this race? It was inevitable, wasn't it?
1: Obviously, Alexei Lutsenko was going to be the Alexei Lutsenko with that race. And, you know, it just, I mean, it, it wasn't even close. It was the most brutal climb. Lutsenko's going to win Tour de France next year. You know, it's everything is aligning. People are saying that this climb needs to be like included in like a sort of Grande Partenza sort of style thing. Like send the tour to like Turkey just for this like one climb. Sorry, Turkia. I'll, I'll get it. Gonna kind of correct. And and also didn't Tahada of Astana also finish in third place. So Astana coming good at the end of the year. Obviously looking to keep that momentum going with Cav into next year. So. It's all good in the Astana camp at the moment,
2: isn't it? Yeah, it's also quite cool to see uh, Ben Zvihoff finish in second place as well. The former mountain biker who moved over to Borahanskar a couple of years back, rode the JDO last year in that winning team with Jai Hinley. Almost forgot his name there for a second. But he finished second overall, which is cool to see. Also, Monegasque rider Victor Langolotti uh, took a stage win, which is uh, very, very impressive indeed for a rider from a very, very small country, well, oh, very small principality. But I mean, the sprints, very Asper Phillips are heavy, but uh, I mean, he's now surpassed Taddy Pogaccia with the most wins this season, and he probably will not get caught unless someone absolutely dominates the, um, let me let me have a look here, the Vuelta Ciclista Internacional de Guatemala next week. That's a Miguel Ángel López. Oh, Wait, yes. Miguel Ángel López might have the most wins. Very true. TT I think mean- victories. TT's yeah, yeah. he stepped up a level. Speaking of which, I know they're not the same. Nairo Quintana's got r- transfer rumors about him at the moment. Has it? Jacob Alula were... apparently linked to Quintana. Bahrain Victorious as well, I heard.
0: but with anyway, mean... some
1: kind of what, Middle Eastern connection to their team is interested in Nairo Quintana with like the Alula Bahrain thing. Interesting.
0: But I mean, you're jumping the gun here. That's transfer corners. We'll get to that. Oops. But Nico Dents also took a victory. We kind of missed him out for a rider or signing of the week last week. And I think that was quite bad considering yeah. two Jura stage wins. So I led to Lusenko just remarkable win and... Yeah, I mean, at some point he'll uh, message us, I guess. He's probably going to be right over the week from someone. But yeah, then we come to the final world tour race in China and the headlines weren't necessarily the race itself. Something, yeah,
2: involving Intermarché and giving them an absolute PR nightmare. Yes, if you haven't seen, there was a uh, bad Instagram story posted by Herbert Tason, the Belgian sprinter, of his teammate Madis Mikkels, who's just 20 years of age, from Estonia, uh, pulling a racist gesture on his story. It, it was a joke, but it didn't go down very well, rightly so. It didn't go down very well. And um the story was then taken down, but the damage was done. Maddis Mickles was kicked out of the race and Antamashe to that, to that positive released a well they, they released a really, really good uh, statement online of what the riders had done wrong and how they were going to uh how they're going to to move forward with this incident. So fair play to Antamashe for that, but yeah, really, a low blow from Herbert and, and from Madis Mikkels. Um, You know, you come to a new country and you think like, okay, respect people at least, and uh, they go straight in with the racist uh, gesture. Not cool, guys.
1: It's like we we were so close to the end of the season as well. Like we were, we were on the verge of just you know everyone putting it to bed, and like that happens. It's like, oh yeah, it was a it, it was a bit of a daft thing to do to be honest with you and uh well hopefully they won't do it again basically let's just let's put it that way
2: but like did they not think it was wrong that's what like first yeah, was like. Like, did they not realize it was like did
1: did maddie's not think that's a bit sketchy and did Gerbertations then think oh maybe i shouldn't post this
2: yeah there's one thing doing it in private i mean you shouldn't do it in private anyway but there's one thing doing it publicly yeah like... yeah but But
1: like you say, Intermarche dealt with it very professionally, so Mm. hats off to them for clamping down on that immediately. That was really good.
0: How about not being racist in your private or in the public? That would be quite nice, no? I
2: mean, yes. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. but but doing it on an Instagram story as a professional athlete. Yeah. Come Come on. Hedman, Hedman, you're in my bad books now.
0: But, yeah, I mean, one thing, if you were watching some of the threads on the Twitter, there was a lot of Chinese people going absolutely angry At this as well, because uh, they were saying like, yeah, you come to our country, you're damaging this, you're not thinking of potential sponsorships and all this. And I mean, China is a huge market for sports as well. So this is the kind of thing that could screw it up for cycling at all completely which i think is quite bad and uh, it's it's not really one of the big sports in china at all
1: no it's not really but hopefully it does grow in the future they've got a big like i said they got a big market for it and you know i've watched plenty of videos recently about cycling in china and the crit scene and how there's like they have like massive prize money pools for lots of crits and stuff so obviously they've got the they've got an interest there a grounding to build upon so yes i guess pros coming in and insulting them culturally is not the most enticing thing for people to then say i am going to go do this sport and people like do you mean the sport where some of the people who were doing it were kind of racist towards us and they were like yeah actually maybe you're right maybe i should just do another sport instead yeah it's not the greatest image is it i'm not sure if there'll be any long-term repercussions of it i think that we'll probably hope that it's just kind of swept under the uh cyclocross rug that's slowly kind of wafting over us in fact waterloo the first cyclocross kind of like race of the world cup is is going to be live today not whilst we're recording it's gonna be like
2: an hour afterwards but that'll be quite cool it's it's not just like a cultural thing it's like an ethnic thing and like really it's like we like backtracked to a point where like we're really like making fun of people's ethnicity like that's just you know it's just wrong they should know this so not the best look we'll see what happens to them in the future i mean we've seen plenty of scandals i mean scandals yeah antonio tiberi killed a cat and he's still still on the world tour level we've had a number of sort of questionable things happen over the past couple of years and we just seem to be able to move past it somehow so as much as they should be punished and so forth and they have like get a stern talking to, they, we probably will forget about this in a couple months time. But I guess for Midas yeah. Michaels, he's young. So I guess this is like his like arrival onto the scene. He had a really good Paris-Roubaix, but this 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 is how he's going to be remembered instead of uh, instead of his actual like racing results. A bit like Antonio Taveri, how he's now and will be known as the guy who killed the cat instead of being like top thirty in Lombardia, whatever.
0: But wasn't this similar to Quinn Simmons as well? Who well, that was on Twitter. It wasn't really. in... Yeah, I don't think it was as bad, if I recall.
2: I don't know. No, I don't think the. I mean, the Quinn Simmons one. I think. I mean, I'm not justifying it, but I think. There was less power with that one. I mean, this one is like two people involved. It ran through a lot of like Herbert and then Mardis both talking about it, thinking it's funny, putting it online and mocking like ethnicity instead of, I mean, Quinn Simmons to some extent used used an emoji of like a non-white character talking about Trump, which isn't a great look. But I think a political view is different to a different to full-blown racism. Oof! comments debate. i'm sure the comment section is gonna love this the oppression olympics let's go let's go
0: but i mean there there was a race there is a race it's not finished yet the four stages have been done since uh well finished since we started recording started with viviani taking his first world tour victory for the first time in five years four years so yeah Track star, Viviani.
1: I mean, when was the last... I mean, what, what was his last World Tour victory? Was it when he was at Quick Step, Like 2019 at the Tour? Something like that? I can't remember. I know he won a stage of a Tour. I, I just
2: looked it up. His last World Tour win was Ride London in 2020... Uh,
1: 2019, rather. Was it? Oh, remember that race? Oh, sad time. Back when Great Britain had a World Tour event. Wow. Imagine that. That's, that I mean, that's a throwback. I- I was glad And I was Conti to teams. teams.
0: Yeah. Oh no, we're going down a British Cycling Avenue again. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> nevertheless, Jonathan Milan in his last stage race with Bahrain, taking stage two, Olaf Koi as well winning, and then Milan Varda that we spoke
2: about. Yeah, it's cool to see Varda take that one. Because not going to lie, there was a lot of hype on Varda because he is a Dutch guy who came from mountain biking and we thought he was the next coming of, uh, of Mathieu van der Poel. But he's actually got... He's, he's got a World Tour win now. and It's a pretty big deal. Second place was Remy Rochaz as well for Cofidis. So cool to see them get some good results at this level of race. I know it doesn't feel like a World Tour race, but it is still a World Tour victory. And Varda now leads the GC by six seconds to Rochaz. Oh, God. Oh, I've just realised something.
1: If Varda wins, that's going to be yet another Jumbo-Visma, like GC victory at a World Tour level for the year. Just when I thought it was over. At least it's somebody different at least i can might be like at least it is somebody else
2: and this could be crucial for the world tour points battle i mean the maths there's only one thousand points between them Can can they get a thousand points with this win i think the stage races only give you like i want to say like
1: 500 yeah okay i just you're right it feels so weird that there's a like this is a world tour level event like nobody like, no offense to the race, but just nobody in the cycling sphere really gives this race any sort of pedigree in the like, grand scheme of things. Like, I put this on the same level as like a Volta Communita Valenciana in terms mm. of my hierarchy. Whoa, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't even think whoa, it's on that. That's, that's level. a great race. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's
0: pro race, isn't it? Maybe, maybe the Tour of Yorkshire.
1: Like, uh, really... Hang on, let's not degrade the <laughs> <Huncher. laughs> i Let's not go back. To I that. love the Tori Yorkshire when it exists. I existed. still have a, a, you know, a sore wound.
2: This really does, it feels like a novelty race. It's in China, which is like cool, but at the same time... Like... It's like those criteriums. Yeah, I, I think like the, the Tour of Beijing Detroit. had a higher prestige than the grove, than the than the Tour of Guangxi Lake. Oh, just Guangxina. I'm not in love with this race. I think you can tell. <laughs> Oof. Shark, D- Bring but up I'm... a Grand Camino. <laughs> exactly. We all, all I want are more races that follow Catholic pilgrimage routes. That's all I'm asking for.
0: For California. Bring that back.
2: That's not a Catholic pilgrimage route.
0: No, but I want it back. It'll never come back now because the began's gone. We might as well stay in Asia. Was it the Japan Cup and there was a stage race as well or no? Or just the Japan Cup?
1: I think that was the Japan Cup, and then there was a there's like a prelude criterion. Yeah, it's like thirty odd k, and Edward Turns won it. I think for like the second year running. But the kind of controversy in there is that Maxi Van Hills did a full on like right hand like smack against this guy called Bouglas. I want to say He's this Greek sprinter. Um, Van Hills was given a penalty and fine by the UCI. Uh, for his actions van hills stated or people saw that he this guy was like i don't know chopping about in the sprint he put his hand on a Jacob alula rider and tried to push him in the midst of the final like kilometer or so and i think van hills was just uh making his opinions clear as to what he thought of such actions inside the final kilometer which i don't want to say that i'm endorsing this kind of behavior but he did it because somebody did something wrong like from a sort of sprinting etiquette standpoint. So I think he was just, you know, making sure that this guy was uh, on the same wavelength as everybody else. It's, it's a bit of a shame because like you say about Maddie's Mikels, like he will now sort of be known as, do you remember that guy who did that, you know, racist stuff? Van Hills might now always have that thing over him. We're like, oh, do you remember when he almost did like really good on on a Grand Colombier in at tour? It's like, do you remember when he absolutely right-hooked that guy in that Japanese sprint? Like. But he made some pretty decent contact. To be fair to him, it wasn't like a it didn't kind of glance off. It was pretty good, um, full on good contact.
0: You should do the Moscon way of just doing as much as possible, and then people will forget about the single thing because there's so much.
2: Yeah, exactly. Start throwing
0: people's bikes.
2: It really is a way to put a downer on what's been a really really good season. But he bounced back, and at the Japan Cup, which was like the long distance race, yeah, uh, he finished in fourth place. So fair play to him. It was won by Rui Costa, head of Felix Engelhardt in second and third place for Guillaume Martin, who's got really good form at the moment, it must be said. Also inside top 10, Mikhail Valgren, Bit of a bit of a blast from the past. He's actually riding for the development team this year, but he's apparently bouncing back to the world tour level team next year.
0: Yeah, he's been struggling with injury quite a lot. So mm. um yeah. yeah.
1: I think it'll be good to have him back because he was always like. Do you remember the uh, like when there was the Leuven World Championships and Valgren had like that two week form, like two week golden period, where he just like won two races, and then he just and he came like on the podium of World Champs, like he just gets that like golden little period, Mm. in the Autumn Classics period, and he's just like such a hard man to crack. He would he's literally like the Danish Lutsenko at that point.
0: Well, actually, that's quite a good one. I think he is. <laughs> I, he doesn't climb as well as Lutsenko, though. I don't think he would win the Turkey stage. Not many people climb as well as Lutsenko. Yeah,
1: yeah uh, it's, it's, it's true. a high bar to be setting for people. We can't expect this greatness from everyone.
0: But I mean, that aside, the Corona Day in Nations Nash- was also the one. Well, one of the strangest events because it's a one. It's a time trial. That's it. There's no. Stage race attached to it. Happens every year. And uh, yeah,
2: Remco Evenepoel and Josh Tarling were there. And Josh Tarling got the better of Remco. Yep, Tarling taking the win 13 seconds ahead of Evenepoel and 1 minute and 10 seconds ahead of the former European champion, Stefan Bissiger. This was Tarling's first outing in that European jersey that he won two, three weeks ago. And yeah, proving that he's evidently on good form. And uh, he is able to beat Remco Evenepoel not once but twice, um, which is very, very impressive indeed. But uh, yeah, second place for Evenepoel. He's had quite a lot of second places this year as Remco, and he's becoming the new one for art in a way.
1: imagine. I was going to say, um, I mean, outside of, it, you know, Tarling, and, and, and like, his brother also did good in the juniors. He, Finley Tarling, finished second in the, in the junior version of this event, even a second. And the more interesting thing that I see from this is Itabrooks came here, and he finished 14th, which was four minutes and seven seconds down on Tarling. And if anything, this highlights to me... What I've said before, which is that Eiterbrooks, if he's going to be a serious GC contender, needs to improve his time trialling. Because I know it's Josh Tarling and Avnerpool and stuff, but the fact that Avnerpool put nearly four minutes into him over 45k, that's a minute every 10 kilometers. it's quite a lot.
2: Also in this in this race, Al, um, Alex Sehurt, who was only second at the Belgian National Championships, not far, well I mean he beat Remco because he pulled out. But Alex Zekert was only three minutes and twenty-two seconds back. It's not a great performance from him. Maybe Ed Brooks as well, just fading out at this point in the season.
1: I feel like this race is always the de National. It's always a bit hard to draw conclusions because, yeah, like you're right. It's what's the motivation like on the fifteenth of October when people are, you know, thinking more about what they're going to be dressing up for Halloween rather than how many watch you can put out in a freaking one-hour TT. Like, you know, should I go as a zombie? Should I go as Postman Pat? Should I try and put out 350 watts for an hour? You know, it's, it's down there on my priority list, to be honest with you. So maybe Eidt Brooks is just thinking about trick-or-treating.
2: I was just about to say, given that he's like 13 years old, he is. is definitely definitely in the age bracket for trick-or-treating. Him and segaard
1: probably are going to go trick-or-treating together. Oh, the okay, Belgians give each other trick-or-treating. Yeah, do do they
0: care? yeah about Belgium. halloween yeah do they
1: belgians in the comment section <laughs>
0: <please> <laughs> yeah there formulas. we go
1: do you do trick-or-treating and if so what do you give each other because i just imagine it's just like pal sauces just going around to each other just sachets of like curry ketchup
2: you go with like uh like a a pack of fries from the friture <laughs> and you go around and you get like little dashes of sauce to put, in yeah. your, to put in your fries. And if if one of the houses is feeling really generous, they'll put out, like, a sausage or a baking yeah. burger. I know that's yeah. a cultural like a, thing in a Belgium. Or a sugar waffle or something like right. that. <laughs> they put something out there. Well, darling, the
0: let's focus on him, yes. the winner. Where does this kind of rank in terms of his European championships? I mean, I mean, is this yeah, better? Was, I think
2: the Euros was more... Impressive! It was a shorter course. This is forty-five kilometers, and it was only thirteen seconds into the Paul. So closer than it was at the Europeans. But I don't know. I feel like the Europeans, because it's the European Championships, probably has a higher bar than Chrono de Nation. There I only was- were really three contenders in this race as well.
1: Yeah. The thing which I'm more c- concluding is, like you say, and it's that the European Champs was a shorter course. Like, it's generally like 25k, I want to say. So that's like, but whereas this is a longer effort. So it shows that, you know, Tarling's good over multiple distances. I mean, we saw that World Champs as well. That was a long one. Like, he can do it all. Whereas we've seen in the past, there's been definite guys like Abisika, for example, who've been very good at when it's sort of like 15k or below. They get, are really good at. Kind of the shorter efforts, whereas Tarling's obviously showing competency over a great range of time trialing kind of distances so i think that bodes really well going into the next year that tarling could probably rack up with four or five tt wins next year i wonder if we'll get to a grand tour
0: actually that was exactly what we're going to move on to the routes out it looks quite favorable to a tarling so well what did you make of the route you and i dissected it over on the second day in extra and uh, weren't really that impressed the gravel stage very meh Stelvio not used in the critical part of a stage and very top-heavy in terms of the first week.
1: That's true. I like the double ascent of the Monte Grappa though. That was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, that's a cool thing. But having a descent on the final mountain stage of the race, I think that kind of kills the vibe. It makes it seem like more
1: of a breakaway day than a GC action sort of day. Yeah. And then and it's more walks- sketchy. We-
2: yeah, and we have it's a hilly stage today before flat stage before that. It's just gonna feel like we're just waiting on this Montegrappa stage, and it probably might it might not even deliver. To be honest, I don't. I just feel it. Like the route isn't very inspiring. I'm not like super hyped. And I love the Giro. It's my favorite Grand Tour. But the Grand, I think the first week will be really interesting. Apart from that, I think it loses momentum in the parkour. To be honest. Right. Speaking of Tarling, would you send him here if you consider
1: that Avonapol is more than likely going to the tour? That, that means as big competitor to taking a debut Grand Tour victory is likely his own teammate. Filippo Ghana and Ghana might very well get sent to the tour. We don't really know. Like, I think that Thailand could honestly get a, get a grand tour victory next year.
2: But for these two guys, they both have the Olympic Games on their mind mm. um, next summer, particularly Pippo Ghana. When Pippo did the Olympics in 2021 and that COVID Tokyo Olympic Games, he did the Giro, didn't do the Tour of France. He might do the same this time around. And he didn't do the That's Tour de France great. this year, and, he, and then he went to the World Championships just after the Tour de France. Maybe yeah. that plays into it as well. But uh, it is easier because
0: this time the Olympics is in the same country; it's not in a different continent. Uh, true, true,
2: yeah, true. That that does factor into it. And the, this Olympics, they weren't rescheduled a year, well, less than yeah. a year in, in advance. So yeah, we'll find yeah. out. We'll find out. But I, 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 for some reason, I just think I think Anna will do the G dog again.
1: Oh, oh sorry.
2: Or what? The G- the Tour de France begins in Italy next year. Yeah, oh. he, he might go then.
1: He's literally contractually obliged.
0: But during the presentation, he was saying that, oh, yeah, I'll have to look out for this stage. Like, he made it sound like he is going to the Giro, but who knows?
2: And there is a TT not that far away from where he grew up? So maybe... That's like an incentive for, to get him on the start list. That one that goes around Lake Garda. It's not that far away from where he grew up, so mm. maybe maybe that's an incentive.
1: Yeah, I'd probably I reckon if if Ganner and Tarling both lined up, I would I'd still give Tarling a fight, a good you know 50 split of the uh, of being Ghana head to head. I think I, I I'm
0: I'm confident. You got the hilly one as well. The hilly semi hilly. Mm. He ain't going to win that, though. Or Ghana. He could, yeah, he's off. not going to win that either. Yeah. We desperately need a team time trial here. Don't worry, it's he- coming in the tour. I've heard it's coming up. the No, It's <laughs> oh, <be> so good. <laughs> I would I mean, love to do that.
1: It won't matter. us don't have anybody good enough to compete.
0: <laughs> Oh, Favourite stage of uh, the Giro 2023? And we haven't even talked about who could possibly want to do this Giro as well in terms
2: of favourites. Favourite stage of stage two? I love Oropa. I think it's a really cool climb. And I'm happy we have a summit finish in the first like weekend of racing. That'll be quite cool. I don't know whether it's going to kill the race, but... Arapa hasn't, it's not like a hugely destructive climb, but it, it always gives us a, a little bit of action and intrigue, and it could be cool to see that on day two. In terms of the favourites, I mean, you could say Hindley, because there's only one long flat TT in time traveling is not his thing, but there aren't, there aren't that many mountains. There's, I think, I mean, there's quite a lot less climbing than last year in terms of the vertical meters as well. I think it also probably suits, like, say, Lutsenko, those kind of types who are, uh, they can time-trial well, but don't quite have the mountain legs of a sort of a world-beating Pogacar or, or Viennogel.
0: And he isn't going to the tour because of the Mark
2: Cavendish project. Here we go. Lutsenko for the Giro, believe... <laughs> But Latsang can never does the G-ROM. Maybe now. It's hard to tell. No yeah. one's really put their hands on like on the table and said, I'll go for it. Pogacha could do it. I feel like if you if if he wants to win a G G-ROM, this one suits him, but any route would suit Pogacha.
1: I like stage 16 to Lavingo. i think that one looks pretty good even though it's like it kind of goes like up a massive climb and it drops down and it goes up a little climb at the end I, I quite like that in a way it might instigate a bit of earlier attacking on the bigger climb considering that it's not too long to the finish you get that downhill and then a kick again i think that that could be an interesting one from a gc perspective stage 16 so people aren't going to be like on their knees they might still sense a kind of chance of doing something in gc so that's kind of got like the it kind of, it's kind of in the middle of a Venn diagram where people aren't too knackered. It's not like stage twenty, where they're just like dead. Yeah, so I quite like the stage two living go. That's one of mine.
2: But also thinking about that stage, the day before you have a time trial, how do you think that's gonna well, then you gonna might
1: get, it? you get the kind of rubbish G C uh what time trialists? then kind of launch it into the break it's a full-on guillaume martin kind of day is what i'm seeing it's like a martin chicone kind of stage to me and uh, i always feel like those sorts of stages where those two are involved are usually quite interesting so yeah that's one of my more favorite ones but in terms of who could do well here i'm interested to see who Ineos send actually i would quite like to see them send somebody like carlos rodriguez here rather than sending him to the tour against all the juggernauts of the sport where Let's face it, it's going to be super hard to beat them, even though he did do a very, very admirable performance this year. I think that Rodriguez could have a good shot with the, you know, he's decent at time trialing, but I think that he could honestly maybe like top five or on a really, really good run, maybe podium this race, considering that all the juggernauts seem so focused on the tour next year.
2: Now, what about Juana Yusong? Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Like, oh,
0: name it, that, that would be a yeah. good one. I, I would think Yombo sent as well. Yeah. Except
2: Kuth. Roglic, he's gone. No. Um, <laughs> Tell who me. do they send?
0: I don't know.
1: Jorgensen? <sighs> no, he doesn't care about eighth <sighs> place anymore, doesn't he? No,
2: no, no, he doesn't care about eighth place. He wants who to be you send from
1: Yumbo. If you can't send Jonas and you can't send Seppi, and send? send like a
2: Koi. What? <laughs> Koi, <laughs> yes. That yes. Let's finally get Olaf Queer Grand Tour start. Good point.
0: Yeah, Coin but they want to keep but... the hundred percent record up. Yeah. that's true.
2: But they've lost one of their guns now.
1: Who would you send? Who else would you send from Jumbo though, as like a breakaway sort of mm. style guy to win from? You know that sort of scenario. Like a Thomas wow. Gloak might be quite good to send. I think.
0: Yeah, not that going to be like Coen Bauman that kind of season where they won with him and then took the blue jersey? Is that the kind of Jumbo team we're going to see?
1: Yeah. Send Perstand Hagenens right
0: now. They they still have to be as fast, right? Uh, (laughs) Where's he going? He
2: might be going to Ineos next year. We still don't know. Uh, but he's not staying at Jumbo. But yeah, like the way that Jumbo used to do their team is like sending lots of like their younger children almost to the Giro. In that, yeah, the Kumbhama one, we saw like, hey, it's a really breakthrough. We could see that with a lot of their riders next year because I noticed this year, although they've got a lot of really good young riders, they didn't really field them to many grand tours. Uh, Michel Hesman and Tom Glogue got dropped into the Giro team, but Glogue wasn't supposed to be there. They had COVID rip- ripping through the team in the week leading up to that race. So... Maybe we will see more of these youngsters finally get a Grand Tour start next year and really try to sort of break through the ranks. Johannes Staunemittad, for instance, just 21 years of age, could make his Grand Tour debut at the Giro. That could be really intriguing for someone who we know has an awful, awful lot of talent. Also, Ben Tullet as well from the United Kingdom. He's just moved across. He rode a really good Giro back in 2022. Could be thrown into this um, into the star list as well. I just if like to see for the
1: Daker twins. Used for something to be honest, we are so underutilized. As
0: well. I think you'll put a girl, Koi, what was it? Campaign protest you're gonna do in front of I, the younger yeah, bus if they don't send him to a grand tour.
1: I'm gonna, I'll, I'll graffiti on the bus. I don't know what I'll put. <laughs> um, Koi, hello, Koi. Yeah, Olaf Coy. Put your put your suggestions down in the comment section for what I will be graffitiing <laughs> onto your Movizma's bus if they don't send Olaf
0: coin. Which a grand race as well? Team. Is it just any exactly. race?
1: Literally, can we re- reinvigorate? Get Stefan like back on the GC horse. Send him to Majiro. We need to like. You know, I'm not settling on that 2016 performance. We need him back.
0: But, I mean, we might as well speak on that note in terms of the UCI rankings, the close race between UAE and Jumbo Visma, very close for the top position. UAE are still winning. As you alluded to before, they won the the Giro del Venato, the race that finishes in Venice, I think, or close to Venice. But, uh, yeah, who's been your team of the year? in terms of looking at the World Tour season. Okay, the World Tour season isn't officially over, but let's just ignore that. And, I mean, why is Yombo your team of the year? That's what I'm asking. It's not.
1: Uh, it's my... I don't
2: know.
1: Uh, I well, we <laughs> saw this coming, didn't we? <laughs> Actually, wow. It's not like me, you are in the fan bus. Me not supporting Jombo Visma. Unbelievable. archaea team of the season. i <laughs> joking. Um, I don't want to kind of like steal it, but I just think that Alperson are my team of the year. I, the fact that Vanderpool and Philipsen were just insane, Groves as well coming in and just slotting into that lead out a little bubble and like victories in all three grand tours. I just like how they just don't focus on GC, they just don't give a dog's like damn about it. They're just like they just go and do what they do: classics, sprints. Sorry, is that the new quick step? Uh, yeah, Alperson. That's my team of, of the year for so being monuments. Love it. Philipson being dominant sprinter. Love it.
2: Yeah, my team of the year has to be Yumbo. They filled out a Grand Tour podium. They won three Grand Tours. If you told me 12 months ago Sepkus would win a Grand Tour this year, I wouldn't have believed you. They did it. They've also won so many other other things. They're the European champions. They're all these different achievements. It's almost like they've won everything under the sun apart from a monument this year, you know. It's very, very impressive. I can't really fault their performance. I mean, sometimes their tactics are questionable, but you know what? If it gets done, it gets done, and they won three Grand Tours, including the Tour de France. I can't pick anyone else. Sorry. So I've been left with
0: UAE. Well, I don't think that's a bad pick either. (laughs) who? I mean, UAE, if I have to build their case, it's kind of like fourth place in the World Tour with Juan Ayuso, Ter second, winning stages in the Tour, winning Ronde van Vlanderen, who saw that coming, and his incredible springtime season, when you think about it, Paris-Nice, Amsterdam, flesh ballone and up there in Milan-San Remo as well. And oh dear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The yeah, true. And they've had all the victories as well with teammates, so it's not just the
2: Tad Vigaccia mm. show, so... Hmm. but they're, and, they're a lot more yeah full now as a team and they've also won the uci ranking we believe for the year so yeah i guess i guess so it, is, not that, that like, anyone cares really let's way. be honest does
0: any cycling fan actually care about the rankings it's they not do. like
2: UAE <laughs> and yumbo do because it's quite close between them and they want bragging but, rights and they'll be what able do to they get
0: What what is that it do they get, like, in Formula 1, they get, like, massive prize money, but do they get anything for it in they cycling? Don't I don't know. Money,
2: but they but, but but they do get to put, like, World Tour winners on the, the bus and on their jersey if they want for next year.
0: They get a free
1: Bluetooth speaker.
2: <laughs> My point isn't, like, yeah, well done, UAE,
0: but it's more like, UCI, why haven't you done more to mm. make this something? You haven't
2: made it. Like prestigious, yeah. yeah. I think we're more looking at the people who are at the bottom end of the, of the rankings instead of people who are at the top end of the rankings. But I think that's just because of the relegation system we now have in the sport.
0: Okay, we might as well flip it. Who's been your most disappointing team of the year? It have to be a world tall team. No, don't yeah. you dare pick Uno X.
1: No, no. I was just, I was just wondering. It felt like a little bit cruel to pick on mm. Novo Nordisk <laughs> or something. That I don't know.
2: Seemed a can bit I, cruel. Can I say my pick? Yeah. Antimalshi. Sure.
0: Someone was going to go there.
2: Sorry. The thing is, they had such a good season last year, and it felt like they had a lot of momentum. The second half of 2021 was really, really promising. Last year, they were incredible across the board. This year didn't really get much in return. Did they even win a Grand Tour stage this year? Oh, Rikosta. Rikosh at the Vuelta, sorry. But apart from that, they didn't really leave much of an impact on me. And they were, I mean, Binium Gramai didn't really live up to the hype this year. Uh, They got a lot of really promising young sprinters in Page and Herbert Taysen. And they just let me down, to be honest. I, I wasn't enamored by their performance this year.
1: I'm thinking
2: guys like AG2R
1: dsm even like dare i say group armor for my expectations versus reality the highlight was when godu managed to like was on the podium of Paris nice and just nothing else i know that Madwas came you know he won the national champs and that was that was really cool and he won britannia classic like that, that was quite i had quite a lot of expectation for them but i've had to pin somebody down You know what? Uh, Jaco. I'll say Jaco. I know that Michael Matthews won a stage, but where were they? What Gronavagans did did he do something this year? Like considering that Jaco what I kind of consider them to have been in the past, like it's just like I don't know. I don't think they really came anywhere close to what they have been capable of in the past. So I'll pick them of them five that I wanted. (laughs)
0: Uh, I was going to go for EF almost because of Carapace, but that seems very mean considering like Ben Healy doing quite well and uh, Nilson Pallas as well in the early part of the season. Yeah, AG2R I think is quite a good one. Ineos, I mean, that's just because you're comparing them to like Team Sky, but yeah, no. Yeah, Into My is quite a sad one. DSM, mm, no, that's a bit harsh. Coffee is definitely not. Arkea,
2: for sure. DSM, I think... Uh at the bottom of the uci rankings no no i tell a lie astana kazakhstana oh no
0: no, no. thank you no. it's fine
2: okay oh. what do we think about astana season because they've they've technically had the worst one because they're the lowest in on the uci rankings i'll the be honest hype like yeah. yeah i think it's more hype than actual results this yeah. isn't some
1: quantitative ranking that we're giving here. This is this is gut feels only. <laughs>
2: it's so vibes-based, but they only got one world tour level win this year. And that was from Cavendish. You could say
1: the same thing about Groupama though. Group Palmer's only World Tour victory came from Britannia Classic.
2: True, but then Groupama top five to the, the GDO came second at Paris-Nice, podiumed Strada Bianca. We're right up there in a number mm. of races. I don't think this is Groupama's best season. I think Groupama underperformed this year, but I don't think quite, it's not exceptionally underperforming. If is I'm it? honest as well, Arkea Samzik really let me down. I was expecting more from them. Yeah. They only had 10 victories this year, none of which are the world tour level. I really expected them to make that step up a bit like Anto did in 2021, where they moved onto the world tour level and really jumped up and we've seen it before with other teams, but we just didn't see that from Arkea this year. It was quite the Disappointing, Even though Kevin Volkland looked really good at the beginning of the year, later on in the Grand Tours, they weren't very memorable at all at either three Grand Tours.
0: Okay, we might as well change it to, well, we we're going to do rider of the season, but let's do domestique of the season because that sometimes is a bit overlooked. It is a team sport, as we know. What domestique performances have kind of stood out for you? I'll start it off with Macho van der Poel at the Tour de France was absolutely phenomenal for Jasper Philipsen. I think I've got a good one.
1: Mine is Skelmos Jensen. Do you remember the, the tour? The amount of times he was towing Chicone's ass up those climbs to get those KOM points. And World Championships, he was like the VMVP MVP teammate for Mass Pedersen in that race. Like he was holding that race together for those few laps before Vanderpol decided to do Vanderpol things. And like he was uh, almost instrumental to keeping that race together and therefore I know Pedersen didn't podium at race but Pedersen did a very good showing and I don't think it would have been as easy to do that if it wasn't for Skelmosa and I'm probably forgetting other things that he did but I, I think that Skelmosa was an underrated teammate from this year
2: I mean, Sepkis is the open door, but he's now a Grand Tour lead, uh, Grand Tour winner. Does that make him a domestique anymore? Uh, Adam Yates as well, brilliant Tour de France, also was super useful in Lombardy and other races as well for, for Tere Pogacar this year. Don't know whether it's just too Tour de France-focused. Uh, elsewhere, Tilo Valter really stood out to me. I know he had a dodgy Strade Bianca but for me, I think Valter really, really stood out as someone who was willing to help his teammates and be there when he needs to be there. And to be honest... I'd like to see him at the Tour de France next year.
0: I mean, Sepp it has to be almost. Like you said, I know, you and you said he's now a Grand Tour winner. But what he did at the Giro for Roglic on stage 16 was race winning, race saving for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. And also the other pulls he did at the Tour de France as well. He was sitting inside top 10 in GC then before he crashed. He was really, really strong at, at the Tour de France, to be honest. We can say Sepp is a domestique. He's back to that. He's back to that status. That is his bread and butter after all.
1: Walt Pools was pretty good as well. It's easy to forget those last few, that last week of the Vuelta. He was, I know Lander didn't end up coming on the podium, but he did a very good performance. I think Walt Pools you know, was, uh, again, perhaps one who goes under the radar. I know it was quite focused on that Vuelta, but he must have done stuff in the tour as well where he was helping out Bill Baal and stuff. So just another name in the ring.
0: It is such a hard one because sometimes it's like... Some of the work isn't even televised, Tim DeClerc, those kind of guys. But yeah, we might as well finish this little segment with best rider of the year. And I, well, I guess we know who Ewan's picking, but uh, I mean, Patrick, who are you picking?
1: Uh, I'm going to pick Jasper Philipson as my rider of the year. I think Philipson has hands down been the best sprinter. I don't think anybody can really disagree with that. And he's like, he is the most winning ist rider, nineteen victories this year, a green jersey, you know, run for the ages where he was just massively dominant, plus his Roubaix podium as well. Where he finished in second place. I think that Phillips in in my opinion from where he was like end of last year versus where he's finished this year, I think it was like a, a huge improvement in my opinion maybe it's just things finally aligned but I think Phillipson had a fantastic year and I really hope that he I hope he does equally as well and I hope somebody else steps up to compete against him because otherwise it's going to be a runaway victory again
2: I'm picking Teddy Pogaccio
1: oh shock!
2: all the presses who saw that coming okay um, he won two monuments second place at the Tour de France Paris Nice win Fleschweller and Amstel gold a number of big wins under his belt a world championship medal yeah, in terms of getting the monuments as well as getting the Grand Tour results, I think that perfect balance makes Tadej Pogacar undoubtedly my rider of the year. But there is one big rider still left on the table.
0: Well Jonas Vingor? I'm, I'm thinking of the world champion. Yeah, I know, but uh, am I picking Jonas? Am I picking what? Not even a world champion, double world champion as well. Mm, or pick Jonas up even. Jonas didn't do that much. Excuse me, <laughs> Dauphiné, Basque Country.
1: Dauphiné, Basque Country, tourist only. Grand Camino, that. Oh, that's the most important one,
0: <laughs> let's be real. But yeah, I will pick Metro Van because, yeah, winning Bay, winning Milan-San Remo, winning the World Championships and being an absolutely incredible teammate for for Jasper Philipsen, I think that is incredible, but it could have been Jona's being got as well. No one entertaining the idea of Bremko? yeah really.
1: No. Grand
2: tour podium. Yeah. That's Plus true.
1: Flander Paul was also Cyclocross world champ. That's just like another... Yeah, exactly.
2: Arena. Plus
1: a podium at Flanders.
2: Shall we move across to our very brief transfers? Sure. Well, let's do it. Well... Uh, a couple transfers announced this week. Caleb Ewan is leaving Lotto Destiny. He's moving back across to J.K. Al Ula, where he began his career. Also, Stanislav Anjokovsky is moving to Coffee He was on the human powered health squad. Uh, that sinking ship, we believe, the men's team is folding at the end of this year, so he now has a World Tour contract, which is really good news. Uh, Philip Matsiuk, who you might remember from Ronde van Vlaanderen, causing a big, big crash. He's moving to Borahansgrohe next year from Bahrain victorious. Interesting to see indeed. Also, Stan van Tricht is moving to Alberson de Koenig after a couple of years with... Sudau Quickstep. For some reason, my mind went blank. Uh, and also... To be fair, that's most of the big ones. I think we can, yeah, we can we can call it quits at that. But Caleb Ewan, I think, is is quite a. Quite a big one this week. And also, uh, Dino Hunovey has extended his contract to Jake LaLula.
0: Rui Costa, did you mention that?
2: Oh, yes. Sorry, Rui Costa. The, we were talking about him during Lombardia for not having a contract next year, but that has changed. He's now moving to EF in the new year, we believe, which will be exciting for him. The 37-year-old who has reinvigorated his career this year, including this week, with a win at the, at the Japan Cup.
1: I honestly think that EF, when you look at the transfers all the teams have made, I think EFs are the coolest. Hands down. Koster, Rootkin yeah, Gray, um Lucas Naruka, like Archie Ryan, Darren Rafferty. It's just a cool list of guys coming into EF and yeah, I think you should it gives more and more reason to support like EF as like a cool little I don't know, but they've just seemed really good at developing talent. So yeah, definitely watch out for EF next year, I think.
0: Caleb Ewing going back to J.K. Reula, that one I thought was really strange considering, okay, him leaving, we knew that was going to happen. But yeah, I didn't expect him to go where Dylan Hoenewegen is. And then you've got Simon Yates, Eddie Dunbar. Like, where does he even fit into that team in terms of ground tours
2: or whatever? I think it's this one's probably more of like an emotional transfer. Where well, he's moving back to a team he knows well. He's had success with them. We won a grand tour, what well, grand tour stages with them in the past. He's never won a Tour de France stage with them, never got to ride a Tour de France when he was riding for this squad before. That m- we assume will change. But he's moving into a team that he knows well. A lot of the stuff will be the same as when he was here a couple of years back. And given how things ended at of at Destiny, with that messy breakup between the management staff and Caleb Ewan, he probably was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go somewhere I know people and I know they're not going to treat me that way. And for, for that reason, I think this move does make sense. I think this is more of a sort of emotional move than the performance one, because I mean, yeah, Hunevek is here. Um, I would say Hunevake is probably better than Caleb Ewan. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I guess I do. And also it's kind of like yeah, and then like there's Matthews in there as well. It's just kind of like a big, you know, we're kind of back to square one where they were both on the same team before, and all like it just doesn't work when Matthews and like another big sprinter's is there. It's just like doesn't quite make sense. But at the same time, I think that it's one of the more logical ones like transfers. I just, I, I do like, I just associate Caleb Ewan with just like that, that outfit. I never felt like it clicked with Lotto Sudal now Destiny and yeah I think I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Caleb and I'm actually I kind of want to see him back like tore down under just hopefully just kind of ripping up some sprints there that's kind of what I always associate Caleb Ewan with was that kind of like hunched over the handlebars young gun sprinter coming up when he was like 22 and he was like the last sort of like massive hot property sprinter so I really hope there's sort of a return to the the golden days of Caleb Ewan over with his return to Jake Walula, what was Mitchelton, Scott, Orica,
0: Edge, yada, yada, yada. But uh, coming to writer of the week, and I mean, the question is, who's going to be picking Alexi Lotenko? I'll, I'll,
1: I might kick it on to one of you. <laughs> I'll go with, uh, who will I go with? I will go with another main man of our channel, Mark Hershey. Very good at both of the sort of Veneto races, and uh, yeah, hopefully, you had an interesting stat. I think what was it? Every race that he's done since September or something, he's his lowest finishing is 26 or something like that. So, consistent Hershey. Hopefully, we see him back in 2021 Hershey form moving into next year and rightfully claiming his position as king of the Ardennes once more.
2: I'm picking Alex Latanka because he won the Tour of Turkey. See, I didn't have to use my brain power this week because usually I'm like thinking about this for a while, but this is going to be yeah, Alex Latanka. It might be the Tour of Turkey, yeah, but he is the full meal. I don't know where I was going. What? Scott, who's your writer of the week? Uh, I'll keep it easy and
0: say Jasper Philipson is that hmm, Did delete didn't do anything no okay yes but Philipson. so uh, yeah on that interesting finish <laughs> yeah. that's it for our 38th episode make sure to check us out over on Spotify as well do help us by giving us a five star review and uh, if you haven't already make sure to comment down below what you thought of anything we discussed and hit the like button subscribe to the channel here on the Ashland Cycling Podcast and we will see you next week